Cecile, I wanted to begin by talking about the influence that your mother had on you growing up. So your mother, Governor Ann Richards, was the second female governor of Texas and really the embodiment of a strong, powerful woman. And I'm curious, how did growing up as the daughter of a feminist and activist icon really shape your own views and aspirations? Well, I think it's important uh, to know that um, mom was really a housewife for most of her life and then suddenly kind of got to had the chance to run for office. Uh, so I didn't grow up with, in this household where uh, everything was about, you know, female empowerment. I think my mom kind, kind of came to it a little bit later in life, which is interesting now because we see so many women, particularly this year, who are just jumping in to run for office before someone waits to ask them or before they're completely ready. And that's what I think uh, I wish had happened for my for my mom, but certainly seeing her um, not only, you know, kind of come into her own, become a public official and run for governor, even when no one in the, you know, none of the men really thought she could do it, no one thought she could win, was obviously really important to me. And I think she um, she just believed that, that women should, um, I mean, she was a big believer in, like, this is the only life you have. And so once you get the chance to do something, you should just go do it. And I think that's why now I feel like my motto is, you know, start before you're ready and don't wait for instructions because I do think that's kind of, that's what Ann Richards, that's what she would say to women today. Your, your book, um, Make Trouble, Standing Up, Speaking Out, and Finding the Courage to Lead, offers a raw, candid window into your journey at really the front lines of activism and the highest levels of leadership. And so for any young woman reading this book, what's kind of a key takeaway message that you hope she'll glean from your journey? Well, the first is I just think it's important. I mean, the name of the book is Make Trouble, and I have to, mm -hmm. have to acknowledge that getting to be a troublemaker um, and getting to have a life as a, you know, activist and someone who fight, had the opportunity to fight for social justice is a real privilege. And so I think some people think of this as like, a challenge or it's really difficult, I actually think it's like the greatest honor. Um, you know, most people, a lot of the women I worked with in my early days as a union organizer, they really had no options about what they did with their life. And so I think it's important to recognize that if you have the opportunity to choose what you do for a living, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are kind of on this journey themselves, I think being able to choose a path that allows you to make a difference in the world is is really exciting. And what I try to talk about in the book, because obviously there's, you know, if you're if you're fighting for social change, you probably lose more than you win. But the amazing thing to me is the people you meet along the way. Uh, not only the women I worked with who were, um, you know, nursing home workers or hotel workers or garment workers, but also the people you find that, that are doing this work along with you. They're the most amazing people in the world. And I think it is a life full of um, joy and really a uh, purpose. And that, that to me, is, um, is, is a really, really positive thing. Right, right, completely. And, you know, it's interesting because I also think activism can be incredibly fatiguing work, often because the fruits of your labor are not always immediately visible and um, can take a long time to come to bear. And I wonder, are there specific moments that stick out in your memory? You talk a lot about sort of the uplifting, empowering aspects of activism, but have there been really painful moments for you of being an activist, Some, something really frustrating or, or times that were perhaps difficult for you to even open up about in your book? 
Well, I think there's, look, there's a lot of heartbreak when you're trying to do something hard. And frankly, mm-hmm. if it doesn't seem hard, you're probably not, your aspirations are probably not big enough. <laughs> right. um, and so I do think, you know, I look, I worked on organizing campaigns with workers that didn't work. You know, I talk about taking women out on strike in Texas for to try to get better wages and losing the strike and women losing their jobs. So I think those those are the things that are painful to me are, are the times that we really, I think, made the right fight and folks did all the work and and yet the powers powers against us were just too too strong. And I think a lot of people feel that about the last election. I think people poured their heart into the last presidential campaign and there's just no way to overstate what an enormous uh, defeat that felt like. But uh, the good news is then you can get up the next day and and just keep fighting and I think that's what we have to do. The change we want to see in this country, particularly now, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in the midterms. It's going to happen because people believe that the, that life can be better um, mm-hmm. and that we're, they're willing to fight for it. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely. And so you talk about sort of picking yourself back up and, and continuing onward with your mission, with your journey, with your with your activism. And so it's, it's hard, too, because especially, you know, leading the really public life you led, you know, a lot of times you had to weather these unfortunate storms of criticism and misogyny and personal attacks. And. And I just wonder, what are some of the tools that you use to stay optimistic and motivated and really weather those storms? Well, one thing I think is important, and I've been I've been talking to more women around the country lately about this. Who, mm-hmm. I think some women who are, you know, well, a lot of women are trying to figure out, okay, how could there still be women who are supporting what this administration is doing? And mm-hmm. they really are focused on, to me, the most um negative part of of, Mm -hmm. uh, this work when instead of focusing on the positive and the fact that we're really literally seeing millions of women marching in this country and men with them, women fighting for um, their rights, women standing up for uh, against family separation, all these things Mm -hmm. that I think one of the things that I found so in my experience at Planned Parenthood, which people think is a really tough job, I thought it was the best job I've ever had. It's such Mm -hmm. an amazing organization. I think it's important that for the for every person who you know picketed me or I don't know um, like said nasty things, there are 99 people who came up and thanked me for um, having saved their life. Planned Parenthood was a place they got to go to for health care when they were a student or when they were um, out of uh, didn't have insurance or you know fill in the blank. And those are the folks I focused on um, because they're the ones who are really counting on us. And I think it's I think it's important, particularly now. Not to let the negative, you know, shrill um, voices mm-hmm. that are out there, and some of them sitting in the United States Senate, uh, don't let them sap your energy. Focus instead on the millions of women who actually want to make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you mentioned the current administration, and you know, earlier this year, President Trump made clear that he intends to defund Planned Parenthood. And I'm just curious, how are you feeling about the future of the organization at this point? Are you worried at all? Well, I um, so I left Planned Parenthood um, this summer after 12 mm-hmm. plus years, and mainly because I felt like, one, I had kind of done what I was supposed to do and could do, and that the organization was as strong as it had ever been. And we actually just um, chose a brand-new leader, Dr. Lena Wen, um, a fabulous, um, mm-hmm. fabulous not only um, medical provider, but also um, social justice leader. So I feel really good about Planned Parenthood and, um, again, with more members, more supporters. I am 
deeply worried about the future for access to affordable health care and reproductive health care and rights, and that is far beyond Planned Parenthood. I'm grateful that Planned Parenthood, along with others, are on the front line of defending that access and defending a lot of the progress we made, Mm -hmm. particularly under the Affordable Care Act to finally get equity and things like birth control access. Um, And I think it's really important the role that Planned Parenthood continues to play in ensuring that access to safe and legal abortion is is available around the country. But when you have a, a Supreme Court, when you have a Congress that is so out of step with the way people live their lives and their need mm-hmm. for access to affordable health care, that is distressing. I think so we're, you know, in state after state, legislatures are trying to pass bills that would restrict access to reproductive health care and rights. And that does worry me. It's why I'm so focused now on making sure that that folks are organized, that they're Mm -hmm. registered, and that they vote in November. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned women having access to safe and legal abortion services. And, you know, speaking about this incredibly polarized contemporary political landscape, how do you respond to a religious right that is deeply entrenched in their views that their tax dollars should not contribute to these services? And um, you know, they're just really entrenched. How do we sort of bring them into the fold, or can we? Well, I think one thing is just important to continue to um, mm-hmm. educate people. So currently, federal funding does not go for abortion services. Now, I mm-hmm. think that's wrong, and I think it has kept women uh, of mm-hmm. low incomes and without access from accessing care just like mm-hmm. other women. But it is really important, at least people to, that people know that, Mm-hmm. The second thing is all the things that this president and this administration is trying mm-hmm. to defund at Planned Parenthood is preventive care. It's mm-hmm. STI, you know, treatment and services. It's it's birth control. It's access to breast cancer screenings. They're, in fact, trying to take away all the preventive services that help prevent both unintended pregnancy and disease and the kind of care that, that millions of people depend on every year from Planned Parenthood. So, I just think that's an important myth to to, um, mm-hmm. to dispel. But the other piece of this is um, support for safe and legal abortion is higher than it has ever been. It's the highest that it was been has been since the Roe decision. More than 70% of people in this country believe that abortion should be safe, it should be legal, and it should be available. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that everyone will agree on everything in this country. We never do. But the vast majority of people in this country believe Roe should be the law of the land, and I think we have to lead, lean into that. And, look, it, we say at Planned Parenthood, we just – what we do is we trust women. We trust mm-hmm. women. We trust pregnant people to make their own decisions, um, and that's, I think, where this country is. And mm-hmm. um, I respect everyone's right, and, and I think the topic of abortion is deeply personal, and I respect every person's ability to make their own decisions about what is right for them. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so finally, you know, kind of in the context of the book, um, and, and you opening up about your really amazing journey. Can you tell me what being a strong woman means to you? I mean, I think that the core of this is um, having the confidence to speak your mind, mm-hmm. to fight for not only yourself but other women. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is the exciting thing and what I really try to write about in my book. I mean, it's a bit of a memoir. It's also a bit of a call to action. I think the thing that we're seeing, um, whether it's through the Me Too movement or Time's Up, 
um, whether it is women running for office in record numbers, women marching, women creating new organizations, is that women are really standing with other women in a way that is so inspiring, so exciting. And again, I don't think women are asking for more than our fair share. We're just asking for fundamental equality, socially, culturally, economically, and politically. And I do believe if we can actually get to that place, that's what women aspire to, not simply to be resisting, but to to be imagining a future where everyone's equal and fighting for that. And that's what I'm committed to do.